again. Uh, but two weeks ago, I talked about why Jesus, the origin question. We, we're going through this why Jesus and we're answering questions that Jesus answers for us. Well, why Jesus? Where, well, Jesus is the origin. He is the very creator. He was the walking word. God spoke the word into the world into existence. So he used Jesus to create the world. So we talked about all that. So this week, I want to talk to you about another question. The meaning question. Now, not what does this mean and what does that mean? But the meaning question, what is my purpose in life? Has anyone ever wondered about that? What is my purpose, not mine, yours. What is my purpose in life? You ever tried to figure it out? And some of you are older than I am, and you're still trying to figure it out. I remember as a young man, people used to say, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I always wondered why they asked me that. And then I realized whenever I got older and I started asking my kids, what are you going to be when you grow up? I was just trying to get ideas for myself. <laughs> but what is the purpose in my life is different than what am I going to be when I grow up? What's my purpose? See, oftentimes we think that our purpose, we're waiting for God to point it out to us. You're supposed to be a preacher. He might be. You're supposed to be a preacher. Pretty good shot. You're supposed to be a preacher. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> and, and we want God to clearly define. You're supposed to install windows. You're supposed to dig holes. But you're installing windows. Yeah, I'm not even sure what you're supposed to do, Justin. <laughs> But we, we want it to be that clear of a purpose. But what if, what if God's purpose for your life wasn't that clear? What if it was more like this? Let's go to the Old Testament real quick. We're, nothing's on the screen. You're just going to have to listen. So I want to take you to the Old Testament where Moses was, right? And Moses goes and he leads the Israelites out of Egypt, Right? He's going, and the Pharaoh's army is coming behind him. And the Lord does what? He stops the Pharaoh's army, right? And then he opens and parts the Red Sea, completely dries it up, right? So the Egyptians knew which way the Israelites were going, and the Israelites knew exactly which way God wanted them to go because it was dry and it was an escape route. So off they went. Very clear on the direction they were supposed to go, right? Very clear. And that's what some of you are waiting for God. You want it to be that clear. You want it to pop up on my sign and say, go this way. And if God would do that for you, you'd be a whole lot happier, right? It was kind of like whenever I was getting married. I wanted to know for sure that Joy was the one I was supposed to marry because I didn't want to get into this thing and a couple days later, decide I shouldn't have been in it. I wanted him to know for sure, but I had to just trust him. Now, I held onto the receipt for the marriage license for months, thinking I could get a refund. It didn't work. Fifteen years later, they're still not giving me a refund. Okay? So, but we, we want it to be that clear for us. We want God just to say, go here. And he does sometimes. He did for the Israelites. He has for me in some, in some instances, okay? But then there's another way God does it, right? The Israelites cross the 
the Red Sea. Then they start belly aching and moaning. And Johnny talked about that, wanting to go back and build bricks. And so they, they wandered around the desert for 40 years. But listen, Nike ain't got nothing on God because their shoes never wore out. Amen. Right? Levi ain't got nothing on God because their clothes didn't wear out. Right? And all this grub hub and deliver deal and all this stuff that delivers food ain't got nothing on God either because he was dropping it from the sky. But he let them wander around, belly aching and complaining, but he just let them go. And then it came time. It was time for them to go. You're going to the promised land. But the Bible says this, that the Jordan River in that season had overflowed its banks. Has anyone ever seen the Mississippi River? Okay. Some of us Midwestern people. Uh, the Mississippi River at its widest point without flooding is a mile wide. They say it is unbelievable the current that is in the river Okay, undercurrents. Oh, I mean, it's just unreal. The Jordan River at that point in time said it overflowed the banks. So it was well, well over a mile wide. Well, they knew they had to cross the Jordan. They were just trying to figure out who was going to build the bridge. Right? How are we going to get a bridge big enough to get over there and not get wet? Maybe we can travel up and we'll find somewhere a little bit narrower and we'll cross there. Maybe we can go south and we'll find... God didn't say that. God said, hey, I want you in the Jordan, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dry it up, but I'm not drying it up yet. I want your priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the law was laid. It was like God's presence with us, right? Aren't you thankful we don't have to have something like that anymore? God is just present with us all the time now. But I want your priests to step out into the Jordan. Now, you got to keep this thing level, Okay, so in order to keep it level, if you're going down a river bank embankment, right? So there's a couple guys, right? Two guys are going to be lower than the other guys. So what's that mean? They're going to have to walk out a little bit further because God says, I'll dry it up, but not until the priests get out there and they're about thigh deep. So, you know, the first two guys, if the last two guys got to be thigh deep, the first two guys, are, it's hitting them in the chest. Right? And they're holding the Ark of the Covenant up like this. See, they had to have some faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. But God didn't do it until they stepped out in faith. See, that's what God wants from some of you guys. Amen. You're like, what, I, what am I supposed to do, God? He wants you to step out in faith first. And you know what? For the last four years, we, we've said this from the platform, that we want to have Jordan-like faith. We want to step out. And if God doesn't show up, we're going to drown. Okay? Let me just say, for the last two years, it's been Jordan-like faith, I promise. That God has shown up in ways that you could only imagine. Because if he hadn't shown up, we would have drowned. We just, it would have just been done. So we know we're doing something right. But now the bigger question is, what is my purpose? And why are we talking about Jesus to figure out what my purpose is? is well Jesus's purpose was to come and show grace and truth you find that in the book of John John chapter 1 verses 14 through 20 I think 14 through 18 the word became flesh and dwelt among us 
We observed his glory as the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and examined, this was the one whom I said, the, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God and the one and only Son who himself who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. What's your purpose? It's easy. Grace and truth. You're grace givers and you're truth bearers. That's it. I mean, like, that's the message. And I bought myself another 28 minutes for later. That, I mean, really, that's the message. Is Your purpose in life is to be grace bearers and truth givers. Jesus was, right? Many of you guys remember, hopefully back December 8th, when Brother Sanford preached. He, he talked about the gift of grace. And the gift of grace, he used the, the story of the woman caught in adultery, right? So we see Jesus all the time showing grace and giving truth. We see it all the time. And we're to become, I mean, just the very term Christian means little Christ, right? We're to become just like Jesus, walking replicas of Jesus Christ. That's why you're left here on earth, okay? You're not left here for any other purpose but to look like Jesus and share grace and truth. That's it. God didn't need an undercover Christian, so if you're like, well, I believe in Jesus, I'm just kind of undercover. No, you so far undercover, God can't find you, Amen. okay? He didn't need part-time Christians. He's looking for people who are going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, not fans, right? We talked about fans. We, fans are great when everything's going good. It's the real followers that stick in there. Like, I, I'm not a Bucks fan. I'm just not. And those that are Bucks fans got problems. But I applaud them because the Bucks have been terrible for a long time, and they still go. It's like Miami Dolphin fans, right? I mean, the Dolphins ain't had nothing since Dan Marino retired. But they still sending people down there to watch the game. It's like some of you Patriot fans. You guys are going to be upset in a year or two when Tom Brady finally retires. Because they're going to go back to being sorry. But the ones who stick it out are real followers. I mean, those guys are diehard fans. True followers. That's what Jesus wants out of us, right? Jesus wants the true followers. The ones when everything's going great, we're praising his name. But when everything's going bad, we're praising his name. You know, when, when you get the check in the mail that was like all the money that you ever needed and you're praising God for it. And then when you get the bill in the mail that took all the money you ever had, you're praising God for it, right? That's what Jesus is looking for us to be. And while we're here... We're to share grace and truth. Kim talked about driving. It's, it's a known fact, it really is a known fact, that preachers have road rage. They just do. So I, I roll my back window on my truck down so you can't see Bayshore on it, right? Uh, I'm a whole lot better than what I used to be, okay? 
Like, when you cut me off and it's just me, I'm like, whatever. But when you cut me off and I got my kids in the truck with me, man, I get it. I get heated. Okay? And we think that no one's watching that stuff. But see, we've got to be able to give grace in that because we don't know what that person's going through. Right? That person just cut you off. Maybe they're headed to the hospital. Maybe they just got a phone call and someone's about to die and they're trying to get there to say, say their final goodbye. Maybe if they're late to work one more time, they're going to lose their job. Some of you guys can, you know, you can uh, uh, kind of agree with that. You, you've been there yourself. We don't know what they're going through. So I've had to retrain my mind to think that, to be able to get through and just give them grace. And also realize if I wreck my truck, I'm going to have to wait a long time for them to fix it. And I, I just don't like that. So I, I just have to back up and say, I'm going to give them grace. What about when someone wrongs you? Right? When someone wrongs you, what do you want to do? Quit being spiritual and be real. Kick them in the shins. Get even. Listen, we, that, that is our natural instinct. It's very unnatural for us to let it go. Right? It's very unnatural for us to say, I'm going to let you ride. Give them mercy and show them grace. It's very unnatural for us to do that. But when we're Christians, when we're followers of Jesus, and his purpose was to share grace and truth because it came through Jesus, and whenever you become a believer in Jesus Christ, who comes to reside inside you? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, which is what? One of the persons of God. So it's the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is God as God is God. Now, some of you are like scratch your head trying to figure out who God is. Listen, God is God. Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God. And you'll figure that one out when you get to heaven. How's that? Okay. Don't ask me how it works. It's like an egg. The shell's an egg, the yolk's an egg, and the little gooey, runny stuff around it is still an egg. Okay? I mean, I don't know how it all works, but it does. And I'm thankful that an egg works that way. I like eggs. What? But, so if we're to show grace and truth, and we know Jesus showed that all throughout. The woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well, Nicodemus, his disciples, Right? Grace and truth showed all, all around. But what about, what about this? Let, let's take a quick quiz. It, it's what would you do if? Now don't answer. I just want you to think about it in your head. Okay. What would you do if someone in the church sued another member for slander? You know what slander is? It's when you go around talking about someone and saying things that really aren't true. We have another word for it. It's called gossip. Okay. So what if... Someone in the church sued somebody else and you got subpoenaed to be a witness. What would you do? Before you answer it, here's your next question. What would you do if you discovered a case of incest among the leadership of the church? Hang on. Before you answer it, I can tell by some size in your eyes that you're trying to figure this one out. What would you do if you discovered that some of our young people and not so young people we're having extra premarital sex or sex outside the bounds of marriage. They were cheating. What would you do? 
What would you do if you found out that leaders in the church really didn't believe in the resurrection? Oh, hang on. You're getting ahead of yourself. What would you do if you found out that our Sunday school class decided to adopt a policy that the church should be vegetarian? I'd shut the Sunday school class down. But what would you do? Hang on. Hang on. What will you do if you get mail in your mailbox and it's from members of the church that have decided to call a secret meeting to try to fire the pastor? Hang on. What would you do if things were like that that I just talked about were happening right here in this church? Ross said not go. How many of you believe, how many of you are like that? I'll just find another church. I'll just go somewhere else. Be honest now. How many of you? Okay, hang on. So that's great for those of you that are leaving. But what about the church? Not the building, but what about the church that's left? What do you do with them? It it makes it hard, isn't it? I mean, some of the things I named, we're thinking, how in the world, what in the world? And then some of you are thinking in your minds, some of that stuff happening here? Not that I know of, okay? But Paul writes to a church that embodied most of what I just said to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 Paul writes to the church, and not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it since I saw the letter, grieved you, yet only for a while. I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. What would you do if you're, and let, let me just real quick, for those of you who raised your hand, I'm in no way blasting you because unfortunately in America, our answer when all that stuff starts popping up is go find another church. That's unfortunate, but that is our answer. Paul, on the other hand, decides the best way to handle situations like that or any situation is truth. Amen. See, your grace and truth, right? Your grace givers and truth bearers. So if you decide to pack up and leave, where's the truth? What are you doing to help the cause of Christ? Isn't that what we're here for is the cause of Christ? If you don't share Jesus Christ, who's going to? I mean, if you, if you pack up and leave and the church becomes a, a laughing stock because of A, B, C, D, E, and F, how did that benefit the cause of Christ? But does it benefit the cause of Christ if you decide, hey, I'm just going to take a stand and I'm going to share the truth, not in belligerency, but I'm going to share the truth in love, but I'm not going anywhere. It doesn't matter if Justin agrees or disagrees. We're going to pull up to the table. And you know what? Justin's going to know I love him. 
and then I'm going to share with him. Garth's going to know I love him, and then I'm going to share with him. Cole's going to know I love him, then I'm going to share with him. Even though we may come from different sides of the aisle, they're going to know I love them, but I have to tell you the truth. See, people, they knock on me, and I'm I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. The knock on me is that I'm too loud. You can sit further back. Uh, That I'm too loud. I'm too passionate about things. So, and and I'm too truthful. So, here's the thing. If I didn't love you, I'd lie to you. I'll send you to 20 other churches that'll lie to you if that's what you want. And I know some of the pastors, I love them. But the fact is, they're more afraid of the butts in the seats than they are the guy on the throne. And I'm more concerned about the guy standing on the throne than I'm about your butts in your seats. I'm, listen, I'd rather you get up and storm out of here mad at me, blister me, blast me all over, but get to heaven then you sitting here amen pastor amen and then you go to hell amen. I'm not concerned about that my job is to keep you from getting to hell like you try and I'm just trying to keep you from going okay that, that's so Paul says hey listen I love you guys It breaks my heart that you are grieved by the letter that I sent you. He had just sent them a letter condemning all of these things that I said to you. There was a guy that was sleeping with his stepmother. They they were changing things in the church to benefit them, not not theologically, right? Not to benefit the gospel, but to benefit them. They decided they weren't putting as many butts in the seat whenever they were talking out on sin, right? Whenever they began to say, hey, if you shacked up, that's called fornication. That's against the Bible. People were not coming back for that. So when they said, oh, well, it's okay. Jesus loves everybody. Everyone's going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven, but everybody ain't staying. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Everyone's going, but some aren't staying. See, some of us are going because that's where we're going to live. Some of us are headed to hell first, and then you're coming to heaven, but it's only for the judgment seat. You're going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to say, you rejected me for the last time. See, everyone's going, but not everyone's staying. That's not popular. But Paul says, hey, I'm sorry it grieved you, but I rejoice in the fact that you're repenting. I rejoice in the fact that you've decided to change and get back to where you're supposed to be. See, truth is not always easy, but in your notes, you can write this down. Number one, truth, it often hurts. I mean, it, truth often hurts. Telling the truth to somebody, it hurts. It, it hurts them to hear it, but you know what? Often, it'll hurt you to tell it. It's very painful to tell the truth to people. Because people don't react always the way you want them to react. Sometimes people leave. Listen, I hate when people leave. I really do. You say, well, you just said. No, I hate when people leave. I have a genuine care for people. I hate to see them leave, but when it's the truth, it's the truth. 
Nothing I can do about it, right? Like Brother Tom and I used to joke about it all the time. In my Bible and in his too, I think, the truth is in black and white. If you got the red letter edition, sometimes it's in red, but it's black, white, and red. That's what it is. I didn't write it, so don't complain to me. It's what it is. And it hurts when you share it with people. It hurts even more when they leave or when they don't talk to you anymore. You ever had to sit, well, many of you guys probably haven't. Uh, I've had to sit down with couples who weren't married, who were living together, playing husband and wife, and tell them, hey, we love you. We want you to come and hang out with us. We want you to belong. Eventually, we want you to believe, right? We want you to believe in Jesus, but more than that, we want you to believe that what he says really is real. And what you're doing right now is wrong. And you're asking God to bless you, and he can't bless your mess. And I had to sit down with people and tell them that. And you know what? There's people that have appreciated it. And there are people that have told me exactly what they thought I was as they walked out of my office. It's painful to tell people the truth. It's painful to tell your family members the truth. But if you really loved them, you'd tell them. Amen. Because my thought is I can't drive you any closer to hell than what you're already going but I can sure do everything I can to keep you from going. And if maybe telling you the truth changes that, I'm all for it. I'm all for trying to prevent you from going. Number two, telling the truth changes lives. Changes lives. Sometimes people do things because they don't know any better right? Sometimes people do exactly what they saw growing up because that's all they know. They didn't even know it was wrong. That's just what it was. And so sometimes when you tell them the truth, it'll change them. I've had couples before, and I'm just going to use this one. I've had couples before that were living together, right? Playing husband and wife, not married. And as I sat down to tell them, hey, this isn't right. They said, well, I'm fully devoted to her. She's fully devoted to me. And this is it. There, there's no extra stuff. It's just us. And I said, well, that's great. But that's not what God intended for you. Well, no, God knows I love her. And he knows that she loves me. And this is just it. I said, that's fair. I'm thankful for that. But here's the other part that you're not catching. The Bible says also that we're to obey the law of the land. And the law of the land in the United States of America is that you have one of those things called a marriage license. Why? I don't know. Maybe so they can get more money. I, I don't know. But it is the law of the land. So in order for that to happen, you have to get married. There has to be a, some type of ceremony, right? And you get married before God and some witnesses and bam, now you're married and you guys keep going. And they're like, oh, well, my parents did this and I thought it was okay. Exactly. See, they didn't know any better, so they were sinning because they were ignorant. And I don't mean that derogatory. Ignorance is just not knowing. So they were sinning because of that. So whenever I shared the truth, they're like, well, preacher, I love her. When can we get married? I said, as soon as you go get that marriage license, come back to my office, we'll do it. Right? Watch this. 
Is there anyone in this very room right now who's been married at my desk in my office? They loved each other. There was no doubt about it. I'm going to pick on them now since they did raise their hand. Val and Willie loved each other. There was no doubt about it. They were doing what they, and they had plans to be married down the road. I'm not sure what road it was. It might have been like I-75, but it was down a road, okay? I mean, there were bumps and bruises and hills and curves and potholes, but it was coming down a road somewhere. And as we talked, they knew that I loved them. I had shown them that I loved them. And I said, guys, if you're really going to get married, why don't we just take care of it now? And they said, what? So why don't we just take care of it now? Let's get your marriage license. Let's just take care of it right now. So they went, got their marriage license, come back to the office. We got two witnesses and we married them right there in the office. And on we went about life. And many of you, they've been coming now for two years, three years, two, two. Many of you never even knew when they very first started coming, they weren't even married. But you see, that's what sharing the truth will do. It'll change their life. And after they got married, they began to see God's hand of blessing on them. Now, they'll be the first people to tell you that it's not been all roses, right? I mean, she's married to Willie for, come on. Right? A lot of football. I'm still working on getting her new glasses so she can see who she actually married. Uh But it's been better and God has blessed them in ways that they didn't even see coming because it changed their life because here their sorrow led to repentance and salvation they said wait a minute what we're doing is not right they, they already had two kids Jeremiah and Kalila just didn't I mean they didn't find them under a rock it'd be a big rock to find Jeremiah under they, I mean, they, they were already there. Mom and dad were there. But you know what? They said, hey, we're, gonna, we're taking a stand now. And I could go, I could just stay on their family. And we could go to Andrew and Beth. Many of you guys have seen Andrew and Beth. You know them. They had seven children. They'd been together 20 years. And you know what? They weren't married. And they got married standing right here. Why? Because someone loved them enough, shared grace with them enough to let them know that, hey, the truth is God wants you to be married. He doesn't want you plain husband and wife. You got to do it God's way. And what, what happened? They repented, right? They decided, hey, we're going to stop. That, that's all repentance is, guys. It's not a big Bible word that we're like, oh, what, what is that? Repentance is simply stopping what you're doing and turning the other way. Amen. I mean, it's real hard, I know. I mean, I went to school so I could learn that. Stopping what you're doing and turning the other way. It's a military term. It's doing an about face, right? Just stopping and turning. They've done that. But here's the other part. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there may be sorrow, but there's no real change. 
Sometimes it, it goes back to number one, right? It hurts. Sometimes you share it, they act like they're sorry, but there's no change in their life. You ever met an addict who, who said, oh, I want to change. I want to change. And guess what? They changed for about 30 seconds, right? They changed their socks. And then they were back on it. See, their sorrow didn't lead to repentance. Their sorrow led to, uh-oh, they know me. Uh-oh, they caught me. I tell my boys all the time, are you sorry because you're really sorry that you did it? Or are you sorry because I caught you? And you know what? For all the stuff that Rawson does, he'll be honest with you when you ask him. Are you sorry that you shouldn't have done that? Or are you sorry because you got caught? Most of the time he's sorry because he shouldn't have done it. But one day he said, I'm just sorry you caught me. I said, I'm glad you said that. Let's go have a talk. No, Dad, I'm really sorry now. Sometimes truth hurts. Uh, sometimes it comes in the form of a belt, but it hurts. Uh, sometimes it'll change your life, too. Amen. Here's what truth does. Truth will build love. Telling the truth builds love. I can tell you the truth, some of you. Because A, you know that I love you and you come to me and you want to hear the truth. You may not like it and sometimes you even tell me prior, before I ever say something to you, you say, hey, listen, I may not like what you're about to say, but that's why I'm coming to you. I, I want to know. See, it builds love. It builds trust. It builds a relationship in people because they know that when they come to you, even though telling the truth hurts, even though telling the truth will change lives, they know that telling the truth from you has built a relationship and that you love them, so they're willing to come and hear it from you. What if we become a church who so lives Jesus Christ and Jesus so lives through us that when we tell people the truth, they know it's because we love them. Because our desire for them is to see them do greater things in life. Our desire for them is to watch them go down a positive road, not a negative road. Right. See, telling the truth without a relationship will breed rebellion. It just does. I've had to learn that while I parent. Rawson's 14, Cannon's 12, they're probably the, the two hardest to parent right now because he's 14 and he's 12. He thinks he knows everything and he don't know nothing. They're the hardest to parent. And sometimes our relationship, even though they know I love them and I would do anything in the world for them, sometimes our relationship isn't on par. So they think that sometimes when I tell them things, they're just like, yeah, you're just saying that because you're dead or you're just being mean or you're just like this Ephesians chapter 6 thing. The reason they're, me they're memorizing this is so they can get their phones back. But it doesn't mean they get them back. It means that we have a conversation on whether or not we give them back. I left myself a loophole. Right? So, but ultimately, 
And you can include Riley. And ultimately, all three of these boys up here know that I love them and that I'd do anything for them. But they also know that I'm just going to tell them the truth. They know that about school. When I hear things from their teacher, if it's good or if it's bad, ultimately it's just going to be the truth and we're going to hammer through it. Because they know I love them. There's some of you out here right now that I'm talking to, some online, that know I love them, that when I say things to them, it's not because I'm trying to be condemning, right? Because Jesus came not to condemn the world, John chapter 3, verse 17, right? He didn't come to condemn the world. They know that I'm telling them the truth, not to condemn them, but because I love them. Because I don't want to see them continue down a path that ultimately leads to destruction. See, telling the truth builds love. But you better have some love in your truth. You better have some grace in your truth before you start to share it with people. You can tell people anything you want. Any, uh, I used to wait tables. You can tell people anything you want. And I mean it, anything you want, as long as you're smiling and laughing. I'm serious. I was waiting tables at a steak restaurant one time, and I can remember I was busy, and I had a section, and I'm busy, and someone said, hey, uh, waiter, can you get me a drink? And I'm smiling and laughing, but I'm aggravated. And uh, I said, hey, get up and get your own drink. I'm busy, and I just kept going. You know what? They left me one of the biggest tips I've ever gotten. People used to want to sit in my area. Why? I was truthful, but I always did it with a smile. I always laughed and joked with them. See, you can be truthful with people, and you don't have to be mean and hateful about it. Like, you can tell people, hey, you stink. (laughs) I mean, hey, you know, you stink. You could really use a shower. And you know what? If you don't take a shower before you come next week, we're going to help you out. We're going to take one for you, right? We got a pressure washer. We're going to clean you up. And they'll laugh at you and joke, right? And they'll walk out of here thinking, he's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get a shower. They pull up Sunday morning, they'll be like, grab the deodorant, put some more on, right? Because they, they see the pressure washer sitting out front waiting. See, you can tell people the truth. And guys, it's the same thing about other parts in life. Hey, you shouldn't be drinking. Do I think all drinking is bad? No. Do I think being an alcoholic or a drunk is? Yes. Can I show you in the Bible? Yes. The Bible says not to be a drunkard. Okay? doesn't say having one drink is bad. But the problem with most of us, and I'll include myself, with most of us, it's not the one that gets us. It's the one after one after one after one that gets us. And you know what? You can tell people, hey, you shouldn't be drinking. That's not good for you. Hey, you shouldn't be smoking dope. That's not good for you. Hey, you shouldn't be doing crack. That's not good for you. You can meet with people shacked up. Hey, you shouldn't be shacked up. That's not, let's get you guys married. Well, we were planning to down the road, right? Down I-75, somewhere around Minnesota. We were planning to, well, no, let's just do it right now. Well, but I need my family. We family, right? I mean, you can tell them with grace and truth, people will love you for it later. 
Why Jesus? Because he was the epitome of grace and truth. Why Jesus? Because without his grace and truth, you wouldn't be here today. Amen. Without his grace and truth, none of us would have made it. See, I rely on Jesus' grace and truth every single day. So what are you relying on to get through life? Are you willing to go out into the world today as the church? See, it it chaps my behind. I'm just going to be honest. Here's truth again. It chaps my behind when I go somewhere and I hear someone say, oh, yeah, we just came from church. You didn't come from church, you idiot. You are the church. See, I just called some of you idiots and none of you guys are mad. (laughs) See, it's grace and truth. You are the church. I want to pray for you. I'm going to send the church out to go do what Jesus told you to do. To go share grace and truth with somebody else. As you walk out the door, ask Jesus who that other person is. Where's my one? Just one. Quit looking for 50 to fill your, your row up. We're going to have a row contest soon. Right? We're going to name row captains. We're going to see who can fill the rows up. That Sunday, I'm just going to make my family come. We'll fill a whole row. I might be, but I'm still going to win. <laughs> so, listen. Who is your one whether you can call them, email them, text them, go see them, you see them at the restaurant, who's your one that you can share grace and truth with this week? Be asking God. He'll give you someone, I promise, if you ask. Remember, you have not because you ask not. not. So just ask. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, who's given us a picture of grace and truth. Father, all we have to do is read his life. And, Father, we can see where he gave grace and truth to everybody. So, Father, I pray that we would be more like him today as we walk out of this room, understanding that the reason we have Jesus is so that we can emulate him, so we can, Father, identify with him, Father, so that we can be a little Christ as we walk around. Father, give us strength today. Show us our one that we need to share Jesus with today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Have a great day.